once everybody has uh, some lunch, we'll um, go ahead and get started. If you want to find a seat, we have all. Now we can start commissioning. I'll take that title, given who you're alluding to. Yeah, I sat where where they told me to. I said I got a new seatmate. Okay, good. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, for those I have not met everybody, but I think I have. Uh, my name is Beam for Mayor of Broward County, and next to me, Senator Farmer. And why don't we go around with introductions? Your chair of the legislative delegation, Gary Farmer, chair of legislative delegation. Thank you, okay. Senate District 34. Mark Bogan, Broward County Commissioner. Michael Udine, Broward County Commission District Three. Ann Rich, Broward County Commissioner, District 1, and former state senator. Chip Lamarca, Gary Farmers, County Commission, <laughs> Commissioner, and um, GQ stylist. <laughs> Dale Holness, Broward County Commissioner, District 9. <clears throat> Patricia Williams, State Representative, District 92. Devin West, Broward County Legislative Coordinator. Daphne Sandville. Uh, Broward County Legislative Coordinator. Marty Cassini, Intergovernmental Affairs Manager for Broward County. Bertha Henry, County Administrator. Good afternoon, Drew Myers, County Attorney. Bob Melton, County Auditor. Richard Stark, State Representative, uh, District 104, formerly the district served by Nan Rich. We forgot to tell you that she was also a State Representative. Right. And I'm also the Vice Chair of the Broward Delegation. Barrington Russell, District 95, Florida State House. Barbara Sharif, District 8, Broward County Commissioner. Uh, Commissioner Senator Steve Geller. <laughs> There's a lot of cross-pollination going on here, I think. Um, thank you all for being here today. As always, uh, we, we appreciate all your support on, in getting through all of our uh, requests. And if you have a chance to look in your folder, you're going to see... Mayor, real quick, you had a couple of very, very important people just came in okay. slightly late, but nonetheless yes. very important. <laughs> <laughs> For those who just came in, they have the Hames right. style too. <laughs> introduce yourself. Sorry. For those who just came in, go ahead and introduce. Yeah. Uh, Evan Jenny, uh, I was here on time and then we started late, so my apologies <laughs> for walking out. <laughs> Senator Oscar Brennan, the leader of the Democratic Caucus, so I hope you guys want some things. Okay. All right. All right. That's a good thing. Commissioner Ryan. Commissioner Ryan, representing District 7. And Commissioner Holness, I think you just joined us? I did. I just oh, you did? Okay. Radio. Okay. He was here on time. Okay. And hopefully you see in your folders, this is our whole legislative program right here. So you have the whole list. But we've, we've, we've made it easy for you guys. <laughs> We actually, we actually narrowed it down to five priorities, and that's in your folder as well. And those priorities are, one, affordable housing, two, the nursing home regulation, three, the prohibition of oil or gas drilling, four, criminal justice reform, 
and the state beach management and number five is state beach management program we realized we had a, a very long list uh, we there's a lot of things we'd like I uh, can't get it all but we did think we did want you to know that you know by consensus these are the things that we had thought were the most important to us and with that what I'd like to do is is um, go around the room and I'm going to allow uh, our, our guest to speak first I think and then we'll come back around um, so let's start would you like to start off well yeah I mean I think we're mostly here to listen but I mean looking through your legislative program I think you're gonna find very uh, receptive uh, senators and representatives here from Broward County on, on all your priority issues I think um, continuation of the close uh, work we've done uh, over the past year and um, I'm certainly uh, very much committed to supporting this legislative agenda you guys have put together. So Great. Thank, thank you. you. Um, Commissioner Williams. Commissioner. Representative. <laughs> That's okay. Former I've been saying Commissioner all morning. So. <laughs> I, I, and I did enjoy our meeting very much yesterday. Thank you. Yeah, I had the opportunity to meet with you on yesterday, and that was a very pleasant meeting. Yeah. And I am looking forward to pushing this agenda to make sure that Broward County get everything they need from the state of Florida. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Representative Jenny, would like to say something? Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's always an honor to be here. And um, uh, want to, first of all, uh, as, as the bill sponsor in Tallahassee of the, uh, uh, some of the work you guys are doing on um, conversion therapy, I uh, just wanted to publicly thank uh, Senator Commissioner Rich uh, and, and the rest of you for for standing up for that it's it's greatly appreciated uh, by those of us working in Tallahassee and it, and it does give us some help so thank you very much I appreciate that and it's good for the county of Broward as a well, whole so thank you uh, and of course we we must ban fracking yes <laughs> you know that one that was, that was number three I think. Uh, representative Stark uh, thanks well I can't see anything in here that I'm going to disagree with. So, okay, uh, so we're on board. I did want to bring up uh, one, uh, just one or two quick things. Uh, you do have texting while driving in there. Yep. And for those who have not seen that, uh, the speaker has made texting while driving a priority. And I'm working to bring uh, all of our, you know, we, we, we don't completely agree with every, you know, uh, on this, but we're, we're working together to uh, try to come up with some things with texting to help everybody agree with it that because uh, we do have some issues okay uh, but uh, thank you for including that and the last thing is that uh, we've had a hurricane committee meeting in the house and I am working with uh, uh, with um, your staff on some of the recommendations because uh, they may not all be liked by the county and uh, but thank you for your recommendations in here that do dovetail into that I think we, we were glad to include that Senator Brainerd Uh, yes, uh, it, again, I think uh, Senator Farmer mentioned that many of the things that you have on here have been priorities of a large majority of the people in the Senate. Okay. And so I think that we should have some success with uh, many of these things, if not uh, whole, then at least in part. And uh, I, I think that hopefully that leads us to a successful session at the end of, the, uh, at the end of uh, February. Right? We end in February? Yeah. Or May. March, beginning of March, <laughs> beginning of March. Thank you. Okay. Representative Russell. Thank you, sir. I, too, am very delighted to support this list that you have here. In fact, um, 
human trafficking, I'm also responsible for a bill that is dealing with that as well, too. Okay. And um, affordable housing. I'm a real estate broker, so it goes without saying. Okay, very good. Thank you. I'm going to, so that we can kind of elaborate a little bit on our priorities. Uh, what I'd like to do is, I'm, our number one priority is affordable housing, and I'd like to uh, ask Commissioner Rich, um, she's been our point person on this, if you would like to uh, lead the discussion. You know, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> um, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome. And um, uh, we've, we've been doing a lot of work on affordable housing. Um, and I uh, just completed my service on the statewide affordable housing work group. And you all are going to get a packet, um, I guess, when you return uh, for, to your offices uh, next week. Um, I think next week you go back, right? No, not next week. No? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Whenever. Well, if, you know what? If, uh, if not, I would urge you to, um, as, uh, to have your staff uh, get this report to you. Um, it is the recommendations from the work group it was, that was created in statute last year, and we, um, uh, we completed uh, four uh, statewide meetings, one in Miami, one in Orlando, and two in Tallahassee. Um, we had uh, a um, public website so that everybody could uh, put their, their thoughts uh, and recommendations on, uh, on, uh, onto the website if they couldn't come. So uh, this, is a, this was a very interesting uh, work group. Uh, people from all around the state, all different areas, uh, uh, developers, business, providers, um, uh, legislators. And um, we did come up with, I think, recommendations that are um, very uh, to the point. The problem for all of you, as you know, is the full funding of Sadowski. And I have to say that we, we fought very hard because we had people on the work group that represented the governor, the speaker, and the Senate president. And therein lies the problem because those are the leaders who um, sweep this money out every year. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Broward County over, since 2010 has $88 million that has gone into the trust fund and not come back to Broward County. That's a lot of money that could be used for affordable housing. South Florida is the most cost-burdened metropolitan area in the United States. I know that sounds, sounds strange because of New York and San Francisco and some other cities, but South Florida, Miami, West Palm, and Fort Lauderdale area, the combination of low wages and high cost of housing is what makes us the most cost-burdened. And so we need to have all the money that we can possibly get and should get because we have a statute that requires that that money comes here. So we fought to get this recommendation, believe it or not, in the work group because a lot of people um, who represented certain aspects did not want it in there. But I'm very proud to say that last, uh, on November 29th when we voted, uh, we had an eight-hour meeting and the last 15 minutes was devoted to funding. And um, so the, the proposal had been to say in the executive summary that the governor and legislature should fund as much affordable housing as possible. That, yes, thank you, that was my exact reaction. <laughs> and that's why I made a motion that day to, to 
fully fund. Uh, I had had the support, we all have, because we all live in counties, of the Florida Association of Counties. I was actually representing them on the work group, and they came out with a resolution, as did many, many groups, saying that the number one priority needed to be full funding of Sadowski uh, Trust Fund. So it did pass eight to four, and the, the, the recommendations all had to go, not for approval, but to pass through to you all uh, through the Florida Housing Finance Corporation. And I was very concerned about whether they would try and change anything. And I, that was my first question at the meeting la last week was, what, um, you, you know, can you change? And the answer was no. And they didn't. They met last week in Jacksonville, and they, this was transmitted just as the work group had done it. So the point is there are a lot of good recommendations in here that deal with special needs, with homeless, uh, with lots of specialty areas of affordable housing. But the truth is that uh, it is such an overwhelming crisis. Uh, in, in, in Broward County, the largest group by far is 30 to 50% of uh, annual median income that, that uh, needs affordable housing. Uh, we have the Alice population, Dade and Broward, both similar, with around 45% that fall into that category. Again, uh, affordable housing is, is the issue. So my point was at that meeting when we got the recommendation passed for full funding is that all the wonderful things that you'll read in here could not happen if we don't have money. There's no money. Are you going to take it from veterans? Are you going to take it from the Alice population? We need it. We need to have the full funding. Now, I am not naive. I served up there, as <laughs> many of you are, and some of us here did. Um, and I know that my former colleague, um, who was a Senate president, was on the committee, um, uh, Andy Gardner, and uh, he, f he feels that, he felt that this recommendation invalidates the whole report. And I told him, no way, that people are going to read it. As I said, so many people around the state that are knowledgeable in different areas of, affordab of affordable housing served on it, they're going to read it. I said, and they may not agree with everything. I said, but they're going to realize that this is a credible you know, study and recommendations of what the needs are in Broward County. And I know all of you certainly you know, will do that. We have a bipartisan legislation that's been filed from uh, Pasadomo in, on the Senate side, Republican and, uh, and Shaw. Representative Shaw, Democrat, on the House side. Um, again, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it, it's an education process, talking points when people are, are, you know, going to get their bills heard. And as far as Sadowski, we may not get, uh, you know, 100% this year, but the governor has already suggested sweeping $93 million again, and that's just not acceptable in the, with, within the crisis that we're experiencing in our county. So. I, I know you all support this, um, and I just urge you to make this a really strong priority for all of you. There will be tons of people up there this session on this issue because so many organizations, agencies know that this is the problem and they're going to be up in Tallahassee. So hopefully, you know, we'll make progress. That's the best we can ask. Um, uh, I'd love to have 100% funding. You know, maybe some miracle will happen, but uh, we're, 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 we need to all be together on this one, and I, I know we are. So thank you for your commitment to this, and we look forward to being up there and helping you and working <coughs> with you up there. Commissioner Gell? Um, to be clear, although th these are ranked, but the county did say that our number one priority is affordable housing. 
and we have instructed the uh, our lobbyists to make this our number one priority, and we've got some pretty good teams. Let me ask you guys a question, and I guess, Oscar, since you're a leader, I'll address this to you, or if anybody else wants uh, to jump in. It's easy for us Democrats, with, uh, with all due respect, Commissioner Lamarck, wherever he is, there he is. Okay. Um, so, right, we think about this, but he's very supportive. Right, but it's affordable. easy for a bunch of Democrats to gather in a room and say that we want full funding. We're not in charge. I mean, we are here, but, you know, not in Tallahassee. So, the question that I have to you is being realistic. Knowing what the budget is, knowing that there is a shortfall, etc. Do you have any guess as to how likely it is that the legislature, we're attorneys, we're, we're attorneys, and you know, if, if we treat our trust funds the way the state treats its trust funds, we'd be in prison. I was in the legislature when we passed the Sadowski Act. The only reason that the realtors went along with it and they could have blocked it was because it was placed in a trust fund. And we seem to have forgotten what trust funds mean. But having said that, do you have any opinion as to how likely it is that we can get full funding? Thank so you. I think that we're in a better position than we were in previous years. Um, but I don't believe that we have moved to a point where the uh, people who put together the budget have decided to not sweep trust funds. And they will say it like that in a general statement. So the Sadowski trust fund counts as one of those trust funds. Um, I don't know. I think that there is a growing and swelling, uh, a, a groundswell of people on both, both sides of the aisle that really believe that affordable housing is important which could translate to a smaller sweep than normal. But with the you know, forecast of uh, possible deficits coming down the road, I just, and you, you know this from being there, I don't see their mindset changing if Representative Geller doesn't turn his phone off from ringing. <laughs> He's impossible. <laughs> um, I, I don't know that their mindset changes this year. But I will say, I don't think that there's going to be a, they're not going to come out and fight and, and say, this is our number one thing, we're going to sweep the, the Sadowski. I think it's just going to happen. It's going to be one of those things that just happens. Um, but I don't think, but but by no means, but the reason it will, it will be less this year and the reason there's a groundswell is because of the push that we've continued to put on it year after year. So I recommend that we continue this push and at some point we will get to a point where there are, let's say in the Senate, 21 people that agree with uh, pa uh, Senator Pasadomo's bill. Um, so I think we continue along this path. I think our chances are better this year than they were last year, but I don't know that we're there right now. You think it'll be a smaller sweep? Yes. Thank you. Repres uh, Commissioner Rich, then I just want to add one Stark, thing. One of the reasons why it is different right. this year is in no uncertain terms the business community. Mm -hmm. The business community all over this state at each of the work group meetings, we had multiple chambers in the Miami. We had the Miami Chamber. We had the Beacon Council. Up here, you know, we have the support of the Alliance, the workshop. Uh, so this is all over the Orange County, the same thing when we were in Orlando. 
So there is, um, there's a push there that has not been there before because it's economic development, it's jobs, it's things that are affecting the business community, uh, you know, not, not just the human services part of it, but the economic development. So I think that that is one of the things that will make a difference in moving us and pushing us quick, more quickly into that uh, area. Representative Stark. Uh, thank you. I, I, I echo what uh, uh, Senator Brandon says, but uh, just just to give you a little bit of an insight what's going on, we had the House Appropriation. Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, the when we were looking at the budget and where the sweeps were, Sadowski wasn't listed in there. And uh, I have to give uh, Representative Berman credit that, because uh, I said, I, I don't see Sadowski in there. So she asked the question. They had a different name for it. I, I can't even tell you what it was called. So you wouldn't think that the fund was being swept. And they just, oh, yes, yes, that, that is Sadowski. They had to admit they, they it publicly. It affordable Housing Trust Fund. Right. So it had a completely different name. So you know <laughs> they're nervous about it when they're not yeah. calling it by what it is. Uh, but number two, you got to remember, you are the current executive branch in uh, Tallahassee. Uh, the mantra is jobs, jobs, jobs. And I come personally from the business community, not from you know the political community. And this is a problem that Nan, that Senator Rich just talked about. That businesses, the jobs, 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 they're not locating here if their people have right. to drive for two hours to find affordable housing and come here. So if you're going to talk stress anything about not sweeping those funds, one of the things really, because it's always, you know how bills pass, there's a little salesmanship in there. And some of that salesmanship has to be how important it is for the business community that people, young professionals, everybody, domestics, no matter what they are, that they have to be in a reasonable range to live from where the people are that want to employ them. So this is a very important part. This, they're probably at the tipping point now. Uh, I've got kids in my family can't find affordable housing. All right. That's why it's our so, number one. Okay. Commissioner Ryan. Then Commissioner Lamarck. Uh, Commissioner Rich commented on, on one of the aspects I was going to bring up on uh, affordable housing. You may be able to change the conversation on affordable housing based upon changed circumstances that have developed, I think, over the last year. Uh, we've talked for a long time about the connection between uh, affordable housing and, and economic development. But with the Chamber of Commerce, with AIF, with all of the business community now behind it, and with the governor running for the U.S. Senate and himself, although he's doing a sweep, it's less than it ever has been, far less than in the previous six years. You know there's, there's movement in Tallahassee. So perhaps the conversation should be not just we need all the money, but how that money will be leveraged for more uh, homes and apartment units that will bring about not just more jobs, but higher paying jobs. And it's not really counterintuitive to see that, that when you have housing, when we talk about affordable housing, sometimes in downtown Fort Lauderdale, that's a one bedroom unit for $1,500 a month. That's affordable housing. So when the folks up in Tallahassee that don't live in South Florida understand the, the critical nature of affordable housing and, and that some of your colleagues in Miami-Dade County, who are very important in this appropriations process, understand it, then I think we'll, we'll be able to go further. So I challenge you and especially your staffs to understand 
what the ship and the sail program can do and that they do their homework and give you a, a, a clear understanding of how you can speak to your colleagues and what in concrete measures you're going to do to increase the average wages in South Florida. Because we have the eighth largest metropolitan area here in Broward, Miami-Dade, and Palm Beach County, but the lowest median income. And you're not going to bring it up unless you have uh, um, uh, higher wages with, with housing opportunities. And it, it will, you know, if you look at the Chamber of Commerce, one of the six pillars is, is the housing issue. So you have the business community behind you. Leverage it, and I think that'll bring us some success. Commissioner Lamarck. Are we staying just on this topic? We'll be going. You'll okay. be the, why don't you be the last speaker on this? We'll keep going. Okay, so um, I don't. I think uh, Commissioner Ryan was just talking about how, how to talk to your colleagues. Um, I'm just going to talk the way I only know how to, and that's just in plain English to all of you. Like we're all the same, we're all the same position because the biggest issue isn't how to get them to fund the the affordable housing trust fund. Is it's call, to me, it's calling it workforce housing. Ask any one of those folks who has a, a you know who has that same mentality of the jobs, jobs, jobs. Which I you know, I think to a degree we all do. We all want to have jobs in our community but we only have that when we have a place that people can afford to live and we're not talking about just service personnel at, at hotels or uh, airport workers in, in some specific area we're talking about teachers we're talking about uh, every, everyday people who live in our community so we need to be able to access those funds and, and we talk to the chambers we talk to the Alliance and Beacon Council folks like that and businesses let's come up with some creative ways where we can leverage it but the, but the bottom line is the fund needs to, the, the dollars were meant for what they were meant for. And as, as was said, that's why they were putting that trust fund. And um, I don't know that the realtors want to get involved in this conversation or how much they do get involved in this conversation every year. But certainly uh, workforce housing, to me, is, is, our, is one of our biggest issues. Okay. With that, uh, does anybody want to add anything to it, commissioners? Okay. I just want to mention the realtors are on board. They, they, they have for years put – out resolutions to 100%. The issue with them, and this is an interesting thing because our communities in South Florida are key for this, is that there's a tremendous tremendous growth in rental needs, rental units. And the realtors, one of the issues that we had to deal with that was a lot of debate about was changing the percentages of the SHIP funding from home ownership to more percentage for rental units. And it's a tough it's a tough thing. We did some of it, and I, I don't know that the realtors are going to you know support that when they're walking around Tallahassee lobbying. That may be the one thing that they're not going to do. But we know right here in Broward County, we need over seventy five thousand rental units right here in this county alone. So um, there there is going to be a push to to shift that over a little bit. It's sixty five percent right now for home ownership, and uh, they were looking at. Uh, I, I think we're just going to go down a few percentage points. They wanted to go 10, but the realtors really kind of balked at, at, at that amount. So, um, because they're still, you know, and I understand, still pushing for home ownership. But the problem is when most of the people, you know, a lot of the people now are not looking for homes, they're looking for rental. So you have to go where the, the need and the priority is. Okay. Would anybody else like to add to the conversation on this? Okay. The second priority was the nursing home. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Mr. John, yeah, uh, on on Commissioner Richard's point, 
uh, the governor's budget, I think, has $90 million, a sweep of the Sadowska Fund, uh, $93 million. Again, and I would ask, I think, uh, Commissioner Rich, she might remember, when did we start uh, sweeping funds like this in Tallahassee as it's, uh, it's so improper to do in any budget anywhere? But for some reason, this is, did it start in 08, 09 during no, the downturn of the budget? Or was before. it before that that we just started sweeping and, and cutting general revenue? 03, 2003 is when it started. And Sadowski started in 1993, but it, it was really under Governor Bush. That's when it started, and it just hasn't stopped since then. Yeah. Okay. Um, the second, or our second priority had to do with nursing home regulation, and all of us know what happened locally, and we, it became national news and, and was. And I know that this is that's one of the reasons it's uh, our second priority. And I'm I, I'm happy to see. Uh, Senator Farmer, you have a bill uh, with this, and let me let me have uh, Commissioner Shreve uh, okay. address this first, and then to see how they dovetail. Okay. Your mic's not working. Mine? Yeah, your mic's not red, <clears throat> but just have him check it. All right. So, um, you know, under my tenure as mayor, we did have Hurricane Irma, and um, during that time, we experienced a tragedy at the Hollywood Hills nursing facility. And as a result of that, there was some light shed on the fact that um, nursing homes and uh, skilled nursing facilities were not placed on the top tier in terms of FPL power restoration during a disaster. And so um, we were uh, wanting to let you know that we're supportive of moving those up in, prior in terms of priority. Additionally to that, um, there was also an issue with the standards that ACA had put in place in terms of the nursing facilities, which was that they were not required to all have the generators to power the entire facility, air conditioning and power and lighting and uh, et cetera, um, and also the water and food requirement. Um, so we're asking for um, that to be a priority in terms of mandating at least 96 hours after power loss. So that would give time to restore them and also to make them a priority. And so with that, that concludes my remarks, Mayor. Thank you, uh, uh, Mayor Fur. Yeah, I think I um, appreciate the commission uh, recognizing the seriousness uh, of, of the situation and what we experienced post-Irma. Uh, I was at the uh, emergency operations center uh, the day, the tragic day when the residents began to die. Um, I know there was um, uh, a great amount of concern both with um, county staff and with some of the local cities as to the state of the other nursing homes. I think everybody um, went to work and, and, and we were able to, to confirm that, that there were no other homes in such dire uh, situation, but I, I uh, fire alarm. Ah, that the, that's the Florida Healthcare Association at work right there. <laughs> that's what that is. Can't, can't this 
the county manager.
there's two people here. I'd like to make a motion to adjourn. I know we have people from the public. Let's start the other workshop earlier. Um, they were having a problem Please? getting back up, so I would move that, I would ask Commissioner Udine to at least wait a couple of minutes before. Because they were letting people with badges in, but not the legislators. Right, but you should at least wait till they're here. Right. I don't. We're perfectly ready. Okay, well that was fun. Let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's try to get back. We got about 25 minutes left, and obviously we've uh, gotten a few things shortchanged here. Um, now we can talk. Now we can talk. Um, with regard, did you want to? I just uh, I'll be very quick on this. Um, the bill I filed is very comprehensive, and I think I would ask all of us to resist the temptation of thinking it about the Hollywood Hills nursing home incident, rehabilitation center incident as a generator only incident. There is so much more that went into just how those people got another license to operate given their past history. Um, things like the lack of really meaningful oversight and regulation, the approval process, uncertainty by ACA during the emergency itself, who was calling the shots. I remember being with our county administrator when we were told the Department of Health calls the shots. We can't do anything now. Um, and a lot of you would be shocked to know that uh, nursing homes have no financial responsibility requirement whatsoever. You open a barber shop down at the corner, you've got to have liability insurance. You care for our most frail and vulnerable elderly patients, and you don't have to have any liability insurance in the state of Florida. I think that's outrageous. Uh, our bill also calls for granny cams. We do not allow granny cams here in the state of Florida. 
if you're not familiar with the Georgia case where the nursing home attempted to hide video footage of a man suffocating to death uh, while the staff laughed it off and did not attempt to resuscitate him. They tried to keep that out of the record all the way up to the Georgia Supreme Court and thankfully failed. It really shows the need for that type of monitoring. If we can monitor our children that way, we can certainly do it for our most vulnerable adults. Again, uh, taking into consideration privacy interests of others involved. So those are just a few highlights of that bill. Uh, hope we can get some support on, on, on some of those aspects. We know this bill is not gonna pass, but something will pass in nursing homes. So if we can get some of these provisions into the bill that passes, I think we're gonna be doing a lot to uh, protect uh, our elderly patients who deserve that very much. So thank you, Mr. Okay. Mayor. And, and thank you for sponsoring that bill. I think all of us are appreciative of that, having gone through what we did. Mayor, uh, yes. just a point of, clarif uh, point okay. of order, just to say, um, when we were in the Emergency Operations Center, I just do wanna add a thank you to Senator Farmer, Senator uh, Lauren Book, as well as State Representative Jones for coming out and trying to assist us when we were having that issue, um, because that's very important that you were on scene and you were helping us. So thank you very much. Yeah, very good. Uh, the third one is prohibition of oil or gas. This is pretty self-explanatory. Um, you want? I know. I noticed you also have a, a bill here. You want to? Yeah, no fracking in Broward. Uh, we have filed it both as a standalone piece of legislation and as a constitutional referendum. Um, I know uh, State Senator Dana Young uh, has also. Um, had an epiphany on this issue and uh, sponsored uh, uh, legislation to ban fracking. Um, Florida is um, of all the, I don't think fracking is a good idea anywhere, but in Florida in particular with our unique topography and underground, uh, it's incredibly dangerous to our aquifer and our water supply. Uh, uh, Mayor Fur, you've been a champion on this issue for so many years. I appreciate your leadership on it. Um, it doesn't seem that the bill is going to go anywhere in the House. So. Uh, uh, I think, I think uh, if we can, if there are efforts to be made, I think there is a receptive attitude in the Senate to pass this legislation. Um, we need help uh, moving our House brothers and sisters in that direction. Okay. Would anybody like to comment on this? I'd Commissioner Lamarca. second everything, but uh, no fracking anywhere. No fracking in Broward, no fracking in Florida, no oil exploration in Florida. Keep your hands off our fragile environment. I didn't need an epiphany for that. It just makes makes good common sense. I don't want to tell people what to do in the hills of South Dakota, but Florida is a very fragile environment. Yeah, whole different environment. Yeah, appreciate the support of the second best head of hair in Lighthouse Point. Thank you. Yeah. Sure. Representative Ginny, yeah, you've been. No, I mean it's well. it's come a long way. We've there's there's more support to ban fracking than there was four years ago uh, yeah. when I when I first filed this. Um, it, uh, we, we finally have, uh, and to be quite honest, uh, in terms of epiphanies or anything else, I think it's been more of voters uh, being uh, very active on the issue and uh, convincing people they may not get elected otherwise. Um, and I think that's a lot of the reason why we see uh, more and more people okay with the idea of banning fracking. Um, and uh, but whatever it is, I mean, if it's going to be self-preservation over the actual environment, I don't care how they get there. I just hope that they get there, right. uh, and we'll get closer and closer as we go. Um, you know, we do have uh, we do have a house bill uh, by uh, Representative Kathleen Peters. Um, uh, I I'm not hopeful at the prospects of that bill in the house. To be completely honest with you, um, it uh, Representative Peters has been very outspoken about the. Uh, which she believes to be a lack of leadership uh, in, in the in the Florida House on all things, 
Um, so I don't know if that's uh, going to go anywhere uh, uh, for a number of different reasons. But uh, but we'll see, and and we'll be there to push if it if it does have its day in the sun. Great, thanks. I'm going to go on into the criminal justice reform, and Commissioner Holness, we'd like to introduce us. Yes. Sure. Hold on one second. Yes. Okay. Uh, this to the legislators. Um, the one question I had on oil or gas, at least for, for Broward, as it affects Broward, is here in Broward, we still have uh, land use authority, and the canter wells that they're talking about, which are located in Broward, would require a land use change, which the Broward County Commission will never, ever grant, unless the state preempts zoning and land use on uh, for oil drilling, do, which, again, they could easily do. Have you heard anything about, I'm not giving any ideas they haven't thought of, have any members of the legislature heard any ideas or discussion that they may be planning on doing this? Representative Jenny. Sure, not to dominate the conversation, but um, on this particular one, no, not not as of yet. I can tell you that the uh, sponsor of the bill that would have allowed fracking um, to happen is not interested in filing it anymore. He sees it as a non-starter, um, so there's that. So that that is a good thing. We've taken a significant step with that. Um, but uh, I would I would I am watching for committee bills. There has not been a bill filed to do that, um, but we'll be keeping our eye out throughout session. Uh, to make sure that we don't have that issue pop up. Um, so uh, as of right now, no. Uh, but unfortunately, as you all know uh, all too well, yeah, and and if there's one thing that the Florida House especially loves to do, uh, it's to preempt and erode uh, home rule. So uh, just be aware of that, and we'll, we'll be definitely keeping an eye on that. And folks on both sides of the aisle, not just to say that it's a Democratic thing, because it really has expanded, and there's folks from all over the political spectrum, from as conservative as you can get to as liberal as you can get, uh, that all agree that this just isn't a good move for Florida, um, and that at no point in time will Disney World be opening up the fantastical world of fracking uh, as their new <laughs> Epcot exhibit. So uh, just we will watch that, though, and, and that is a concern that I've had. Yes. Yeah, if it does pop up, we'd, we'd like to know as soon as possible. Okay, with that, well, I'm going to go to number four, uh, criminal justice reform. Commissioner Holmes? So I saved all my comments so I can have enough time on this Okay, one. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is really critical. And I think one of the best things that I've seen the legislature done uh, is when they put in place the juvenile civil citation program. I can tell you in Broward County it's been extremely successful. Uh, though we don't have 100% buy-in from every law enforcement agency, it's been extremely effective. We have saved taxpayers over $14 million since the program has been in place, with a 94% success rate for the kids who enter the program and only a 1% recidivism rate. That's phenomenal. I'm suggesting that we move that to adult civil citation also. If it is a successful for juveniles, I believe it will be as successful. And even if it's half as successful, it'll be a great win for us. Uh, our budget this year will be about $230 million for our jails. The largest single item within our budget is locking people up. And many of them for petty crimes, uh, shoplifting for 50 bucks that gets a hotel stay at the jail for $140 a night, uh, tying up law enforcement time for $50 shoplifting at uh, 
<clears throat> Walmart. So I believe that the state ought to do this. At the county level, we're putting something in place. And, and, and uh, my colleagues supported us unanimously last time, and I expect that when we bring it back, uh, we'll have that same kind of support for us. The other part of it is this. Uh, we have a lot of people that we lock up, and they come out, and they are not productive because there's no avenues for them to become productive. There ought to be some training program, some apprenticeship program, some dollars put into reentry program. And we are doing that at the county with our program with OIC, Organization Industrialization Centers, where basically we're allowing folks who are reentering our community to get a job as valets for our county buses, fueling, cleaning, and maintaining. After one year, they get a chance to be full-time employees at the county. We have to do more with that. Uh, restoration of uh, civil rights after you've paid your dues. We imprison people for a lifetime because when they come out, they have a record. They can't vote. They can't fully participate. And the studies show that if someone is able to fully participate, the recidivism rate dropped down to substantially. So we need to make sure that we're doing that. And, and, and finally, a piece of what I think we ought to look at, and, 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 and it's been demonstrated clearly, that when you have economic growth and opportunities, you reduce crime. There's a correlation. Every time the economy improves, crime drops. We have several pockets of our community in Broward County and throughout the, the state and the country that have been left behind and don't have those economic opportunities. We had a tool enterprise zone that wasn't used well, wasn't funded well. We got rid of it rather than reform it. We have a CRA program that is not flexible and adaptable enough to really help the people in the community who need it, needs it. That needs to be reformed. And we can't allow for some of these CRAs that are already matured to continue without any kind of checks on them. Thank you. Would anybody else like to speak to that? Yes, uh, Representative Geller. Um, yeah. Fire. 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 Well, whatever. Um, let me just say that as far as citations are concerned, um, thank you, my brother. Um, let me say that I think Commissioner Holmes is right uh, about adult civil citations. The, the issue that we faced is um, there is more resistance to making it mandatory than there is to the idea of allowing it if um, law enforcement discretion is preserved. That sounds like a good thing. The problem, of course, as we've seen particularly in the criminal justice system, is that when discretion is available, most often it is not applied equally across the board. It's, it's subject to all kinds of uh, um, personal motivations and, and, frankly, a lot of discriminatory motivations. Nonetheless, adult civil citations is such a good idea, we have to really look at whether or not standing on the principle that it ought to be a requirement is worth sacrificing putting the system in place for because uh, I've worked with Smart Justice Coalition on this and I'm not sure that the will is there in the legislature 
to put it through if it's going to be mandatory. It may be something that we need to reluctantly take and put into law, even if it preserves an element of discretion that is subject to abuse, and let this system prove itself and then come back in a year or two years and say, this has been such a success, not only in terms of helping people avoid having their lives ruined, but financially for the reasons that were just mentioned by Commissioner Holmes, that we, we need to expand it and the way to do that might be to make it mandatory. So it's, it's, it's a very tricky thing to get through and I just, I would urge you here in the County Commission to really take a look at the fact that we may not be able to get it the way it should be done, at least right now, and it may be that the idea is such a good idea, it's worth making a compromise that we know is not a good long-term compromise, but maybe in the short run, at least that's worthy of consideration. So, okay. Well, I mean, juvenile civil, civil citation is still not mandatory. Right, I understand You get three that. chances, but uh, the police department doesn't have to utilize that tool. Some do, some make it mandatory, but it's, it's based on a local law enforcement agency to determine how they handle it. The, the push has been, among progressives at least, to make both mandatory, and I'm just suggesting that it, that's a good goal, but if we could get adult civil citations the way we have the juvenile ones now, which is to have it be uh, even subject to discretion, knowing how often discretion can be abused, and, and particularly in a discriminatory fashion, it's still such a good idea that any expansion of its use is probably worthwhile, though we recognize that it's something that would have to be fixed and corrected a little bit down the road. Better to have something than nothing. Yes. Yeah, sometimes it's one step at a time. Yes. With that, I'm going to go to the next part. Did you want to add to real this? Qu real quick on, on that, the, okay. the, pub the Public Safety Coordinating Council, which uh, I served for about five or six years with Alfonso. Alfonso's in the room. Um, You're still on it, right? Aren't you still on it? Um, I will be until about three hours from now. <laughs> um, oh, that's right. So with respect to a topic we've talked about, I know the chief judge has been here on some other security issues. Uh, he, he, gave a, he gave what I would consider the talking points that I would uh, give as well at our last meeting uh, and dealing with a block of, of people who are sitting in our jail being charged an amount of money that, quite honestly, they're never going to be able to pay because they couldn't because they couldn't pay for the, you know, the the small amount of bond to get out. But the bigger thing is a lot of them, uh, you know, there's, a, I don't know what the number is, but there's a there's a relevant number of people who are basically, uh, as Commissioner Holman said, shoplifting thirty five dollars worth of groceries, and when they're when they're caught and the groceries never left the building, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but they're put in jail. And guess what? If they couldn't afford the thirty-five dollars for groceries, they're not going to even if it's fifty or hundred dollars for to get out. Uh, it's 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 an it's a, it's an issue. I mean, it's an issue that it's not just a human issue; it's a fiscal issue. That's not where we want people to be productive in our community. So I think it's I think there I think we're starting to see this evolve. Or uh, what was the other other term uh, previously? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, this is something that I think we can we can get from it, but but I agree that I don't know that we're going to get there if it's if it's mandatory right now. So. Okay, um, Commissioner Lamarck, would you like to speak to the state beach management program? Support it, hundred <laughs> um, percent. No, I, I, I let me just say this: I, I think that the fact that out of all the items that we brought forward for 
prioritization, the fact that this board, um, I have about 74% of coastal Broward County, uh, you and uh, Commissioner Mayor and Commissioner Ryan share the other you know, 27% or 26%. The fact that the other six commissioners thought this was important enough an issue to our community to make this even, even, the, even uh, the, the, the fifth most important is, it, look, it's our economy. It's our economy. It, our economy is still tourism. Yeah. We need to have pristine beaches. It's also our environment and our habitat for a lot of a lot of things that are here. Uh, it has gone up over the years. In <coughs> excuse me, in Tallahassee, for a advocating for that fifty million, the governor again his budget may be a bit geared towards other lofty goals, but um, he did put a hundred million in for uh, for beach renourishment. Uh, fifty of that, I believe, is for repairs and uh, repairs and and, uh, and storm damage. Uh, but the 50, if we can get last year, we got it to 30 that is reoccurring. And what that means is nobody can really touch that. Uh, it's in the land, Ac land acquisition trust fund. And what it would do is reset every year and prioritize projects from DEP would, would go the next year. We need to get that to 50. And that, that way, every two to three years, all the projects would be, would be done. Okay. Would anybody else like to speak to that? Commissioner Ryan. We've had a lot of focus on the, the funding component, the $50 million request each year and and perhaps in the in the out years we can increase that request over there because with over uh, 700 miles of shoreline in Florida and 300 miles of beach I don't think that a 50 million dollar investment is is commensurate with what the impacts are in the state of Florida there is another aspect of this bill that um, I think is important which is that there will be objective criteria for the funding It'll be measured based upon uh, the economic development from uh, beach renourishment and other improvements on the beach and also um, a measure of the environmental improvements. Uh, with respect to South Florida and in particular Broward County, the economic benefits are like off the charts uh, with our tourism industry and some $15 billion in uh, annual impact with tourists in the state and just in Broward County. So with that, um, I know that this is supportive of the members here, but I just wanted to mention that the uh, the economic and environmental impacts will be particularly beneficial for Broward County. Great. Anyone else on that? I, I will say there's a sister bill, the one go, having to do with the drawing the box around the, the, the uh, coral reefs. That seems to be going pretty well from what I'm hearing. Is that what you all are Seems like it's gone through two committees so far. Yeah, um, it, it has moved um, in at least one of the chambers. Um, but I know the sport fishermen and some others are going to be coming out to oppose it. Um, okay. So we're going to still have some work. Um, but we, we, we got the study funding and the sensors for the coral reefs done last year. Right. So this would be a logical extension of that and really necessary if we're going to implement. I mean, we're talking about right. coral reefs that are, again, critical to our economy. Um, uh, I think it's $4 billion annually. And well, that's part of beach management, yeah. actually. It's, yeah. it's an extension of beach management. Yes. Senator, if I could, what's the opposition with sport fishing and, and preserving our reefs? They don't want to. Uh, so, so the concept of the bill is to create a safe zone around the reefs. Um, the fishermen are opposed to it because it limits the areas where they can fish. Well, they're thinking that it's a taking, but, we're, but we're, all we're asking is to draw a box around it right now so that we can do research there. That's all that is. We're not actually saying this is going to be a. Um, there are, there's no management plan at this it, stage. Yeah. So, but, but they know where the research is going to end up. 
And so they're afraid of the data because once the data is out, then it's going to be very hard, I think, but for them to, to stop. But we're trying to be very, healthy, very clear. Healthy not, reefs also create a better fishing habitat. Right, right. There is, <laughs> exactly, exactly. One, one would follow the argument. Um, I, th I think we probably need to wrap up because you all are going to be going to, oh, I'm sorry, Senator Rader. Thank you. Uh, this is kind of a question to the uh, county commissioners or maybe staff. Uh, I was just kind of interested or curious why one of your priorities isn't mental health funding, opioid uh, funding. I've had meetings here in Broward with uh, Sylvia Quintana, who's the CEO of the Broward Behavioral Health Coalition, one of the managing entities in the state. And uh, I know it's one of the big issues that are going on around the state. Uh, I've gone to a whole host of meetings. I'm, I'm racking my brain. I was one in Broward uh, where there was a, an opioid epidemic uh, conference somewhere in western, southwestern Broward about a few months ago. And uh, it, it, it's affecting not just uh, it, a whole host of different, you know, parts of, of the, the addict's life. It's, it's uh, the firefighters who, you know, EMT rescue, police, hospitals, emergency rooms, uh, insurance companies obviously are being greatly affected, uh, families, um, and, and facilities and treatment centers. And it's just a huge thing that's going on. I was just wondering why one, there's not a sixth, and I don't know if this is in any kind of order. Uh, it, is. it is. Okay, like why it wouldn't be there. Commissioner Geller. Uh, Senator, I had, uh, originally we had gotten a list that was 30, 40, 50 items, and it was completely unranked. I suggested that in order to better uh, prioritize, we rank in the top five. Opioids probably came in six or seven. Yeah. Six. Uh, six. Okay. The top item was clearly affordable housing across the board, and then different legislators voted different ways among the list. And had we said top six, opioid was number six. Yeah, and it, it's high on our list. We've, most of our discussion this morning has been, you know, dealing with that to some degree. Uh, Representative Geller, and then yeah, let me just Holmes. mention very quickly a bill that I have in the House that uh, I think Senator Farmer is going to be helping with in the okay. Senate, and that's uh, on an opioids bill. I mean, there's a, a hundred things you could do, every one of which would do some good. Uh, in particular, we have one. You know, there are people who get prescribed these and don't know how dangerous they are to use them on a long-term basis. The doctor says, take this, you'll feel better, and they just, they do. So we have a bill to require labeling the way we do with uh, alcohol and the way we do with cigarettes to advise people who get prescriptions that this is something that is addictive and can be very dangerous on a long-term basis, and also that would require, because a lot of the, the younger people who get opioids get them in their own homes uh, from their, right. their parents or other relatives, and we have uh, another feature of the bill would, is it would require lockboxes to just be sold at pharmacies. Wouldn't mandate that people have to use them, but at least it, the availability would be there, and it also raises consciousness. So there's a lot of things we can do. I just wanted to mention that okay. one. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, we, and we, we are going to wrap if you, up. If you look at this. You guys, you guys are going to another room. To this document room. on page 14 have uh, the opioid uh, issue uh, to be addressed. So it, though we, we only have those five, if you utilize this document, it'll give you a more extensive list as to what we are looking for. Page 14. Okay. Yes. You want to wrap it up?
One last thing. I just want to say I agree with Senator Rader. Okay. Um, I, I had that, you know, it's one of my top ones after affordable housing because, you know, we, today it, it's kind of a little the kind of that doesn't quite fit when you're talking about doing a, a lawsuit because it's such a, a dramatic human service issue and then we don't even have it, you know, as one of our top priorities. So I think it's, you know, maybe something we can discuss at, you know, at another point to, well, move, we, to have we, we six probably items. Had a hard time. It was a hard time limiting to five is what the problem is. Well, I know, we're, but, we're with but what I'm saying is here we are looking at this, this major issue of a yeah. lawsuit, yeah. you know, and, and, and putting, you know, our efforts into that because of the fact that such a human it, it toll it takes. And, and as you had in the summary, a thousand, over a thousand people uh, that the medical examiner anticipates will have died in 2017 in Broward County. So, you know, I, I share your concern. Vice Mayor Bogan. Yeah. yeah, well, I hate to admit to agree with Senator Rader. I absolutely agree with Senator Rader and with Commissioner Rich. Um, yeah, this is the <laughs> dynamic duo over here. Take a selfie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, record I, that I, one. I wish I, I wish it was a higher priority on our uh, list as well. Can we add it as number six and actually make this list six instead of five? I think, I think everybody would say yes on that. Probably. Motion to make it number six and okay. make our our spreadsheet six. Long. We can't actually vote in here, but. Very quickly, very quickly, Mr. Mayor, a tangent issue on the opioids. There is some legislation moving under Republican sponsorship under what's called um, stopping the fail first concept with HMOs. Uh, and I think that we're going to be able to add in the Senate um, a requirement that uh, HMOs be required to cover alternatives to opioid prescription medication. And, and because some of those alternatives are more expensive, so the HMOs require that the docs – actually, a lot of doctors' hands are tied is the bottom line because of the third-party payers. So be aware of that, and particularly our colleagues in the House look for that in the Senate. I think it may be added to Senator Stubbe's overall fail-first bill. It's a very good concept. It would help curb the number of prescriptions greatly. Okay, great. And with Real quick, we got to go. <laughs> and if the state would quit dragging its feet on implementing medical marijuana, there would be more alternatives available. And let's just name that. It's a real disgrace. Thank you. All right. Thank you all so much for being here today. Mr. Mayor, and I'm just going to add one more thing to it. I just asked the question right. why it wasn't, but since this was probably our discussion on opioids, and as anyone right. in the Senator Farmer knows, this is like my top issue going on. Okay. I just got a couple things I want to say on it, and then because I don't think we're going to bring it further. Uh, the first thing is that 80% of all heroin addicts start with prescription opioids, uh, pain medication addiction, I'd rather call it. And we say the word opioid, and, you know, it sounds like this real foreign, you know, Frenchish kind of term, opioids, like it's out there, but it's Percocet, it's, it's Opana, it's Vic uh, Vicodin, uh, Demerol, uh, fentanyl, codeine, these are, these are things that doctors, like you said, prescribe. And, and I think there is an uh, 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 um, uh, appetite this year in the legislature, in both the Senate and the House, of passing something. Uh, and, and we kind of touched on it as well, but from everything I've read with daily opioid use, uh, physical dependence can develop within as little as a week. And, you know, you, you, you have a, you know, a, an op, you know, some kind of... Uh, a dentist does some oral uh, surgery on you, uh, very common, wisdom teeth, whatever. You get uh, a week or two of, uh, of, of uh, pain medication prescription, and, and, people, and young people 
15 to 25, 30, 40 years old get addicted to these, these, this pain medication. And they, uh, uh, they take as many prescriptions as they possibly can over uh, using many different doctors and, and medical facilities. And then when they can't get any more, it's a lot of cheaper of an option to find heroin and readily available. And these people, you know, if you ever asked any of them, which I have, they never in their lives thought they'd be shooting a needle in their arm. And they've, they've come to the fact of, of becoming a, uh, an addict. And anyone can get addicted to this medication, anyone. Compared to alcohol or cigarettes, you'll, you really have to have a certain gene to get, become addicted. And, uh, you know, when we have, we, you know, our, our records are running 11 months late. Literally last month, uh, middle of November, we found out from the Surgeon General's office how many uh, opioid deaths we had uh, for 2016. So we're getting late statistics, and it's it's a, a huge, huge problem. Uh, and some things we won't even talk about, how, how it affects families and greater families. I mean, almost everyone at this table has uh, a family who has been affected by some form of addiction, uh, or everyone in this room, or everyone watching this. And it's a major, major, major thing. And for so many years now, we've, we've put down... Uh, uh, med uh, mental health uh, funding. Uh, the governor once even uh, dropped all mental health funding, I think in 11 or 12, uh, when he was first uh, elected. So it, it's something that, uh, to me, is, is uh, absolutely important that we, that we stress it and we talk about it and talk about what it is. And it's, it's, a lot of it is pain medication addiction. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, I know it's an opioid, but it's, you know, it's Percocet and Vicodin, where, where so many people are being prescribed it. So I'm sorry to go okay. off my, off my okay. horse there, but Actually, you know what? I know that's no, the whole no, discussion. What's good it. to see is that kind of passion because it's, it takes that kind of passion to, to drive legislation and to, and, to bring, and to bring a lot of people around to the, to the table. So actually, it's good to hear. And I just so with that, to... I, I'm going to stop right here. That <laughs> uh, with that, we're going to adjourn, and you all are going to 302. Legislation is going to 302, and we're going to start in about three minutes with the transportation workshop. Thank you all so much for being here today. Yes. I know. Thank you all so much for being here today. Yes. I know.